Hi, and welcome to episode 276 of No Crying in Baseball, the personal reasons episode. My name's Patty, and I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. Hey, good evening. And if there are per- personal reasons, then I won't ask right now. Like, yeah, we'll, we'll get to them later. All we'll right. get to them later. We'll have to, I have to work up to the personal reasons. All right. Give yeah. some space. Yeah. How was your, how was your day? So I pre-gamed a lot, a lot. I went to the DC Beer Share, which today was held at a brewery. So you would think that there's already enough beer there, but no. But no. People showed up with like bags full of beer, and the directions That's are leaky. clearly bags of beer is leaky. <laughs> and well, <laughs> there the bottles were in the bags. Oh, so the okay. Cans were there. All right, I'm here for and, specificity. Yep. I bet you can't say specificity. Uh, not at all. <laughs> definitely, definitely not at all. Um, but And the guidelines say, bring what you can drink. And I'm watching what these people are bringing in and thinking, holy cow. I mean, I don't know how long you're staying here, but that's a lot of drinking. I think people were just in a very um, generous spirit and wanted to share their beer travels, really. It's sort of like when you go to a brewery, and if there's something local that's really cool, you get an extra one and bring it to the beer share. It's a great system. Hey, well, that reminds me. What are we drinking? That's what you're sharing beer with me right now. Oh, shit. I wish I remembered. It's um, it's a Kolsch. Mm-hmm. It is from Great Maine Brewery, which is a, a smaller than micro. It's a nano brewery. Nano, nano brewery. brewery. That's also is that, really is hard that to say right somebody's now. basement? <laughs> yeah, kind of. Kind of. It's a cute little place in East Nowhere, Virginia. And um, they have good beer, yeah. Well, this is very tasty. Thank you for sharing with me. I appreciate it. My pleasure. I had a what? cocktail that was on fire this oh, weekend. So was that was smoky. nice. I went to Chacho's. So we've mentioned Chacho's before. I actually went and sat at the bar and had the, um, the, the bartender actually lit a cocktail on fire and then, like, you know, push that smoke right into the cocktail. When wow. the description said one of the ingredients was smoke, we were thinking you know, like that liquid smoke right, or right. something. Oh no, oh no, they make actual fire smoke, and then you drink it, and it's like sitting at a fire pit, but your hair doesn't smell bad. After. Are marshmallows involved? Marshmallows are not involved. Ugh, that's they could unfortunate. Be. Although I, I looked up, of course, immediately how to buy one of those kits. Yes, to smoke my own. <laughs> right. Because I want to smoke Smoking. my own. <laughs> But the difference between you and me is I smoke my own cocktails. <laughs> right. I'm just right, saying. Right, right. And right, I, I've right. got to say that the one that I found that looked like it had all the things that I needed, identified it as a gift for men. So I'm thinking that apparently I'm that, that cocktails are, are gendered or cocktail accessories are gendered. Yeah. And I'm a little ticked because that rules me out. But, you know, I think I, I know enough men that I could say, I'm just buying it for them. Oh, no, I'm keeping it. I just, I'm just trying to, like, connect the dots. I don't understand why a smoky drink equals You know, men. it's, well, it's used primarily for drinks containing whiskey uh-huh. and bourbon, which I jokingly call manly drinks. That's I'm guilty true. of this. Okay. I say, oh, I like the manly <laughs> cocktails. But that doesn't mean they're, you know, limited. Right. You know, so I'm a little ticked about that, but I might buy it anyway. I just don't want to, like, you know, reward them for their poor their poor yeah. marketing, even though I really want it now. Of course, I also want the bartender to come to my house and just do it for me, <laughs> but I think I can manage it. I mean, it's a, a blowtorch. It's a blowtorch. What could go wrong? Right. I don't, I'm not in charge of mixing those drinks. That's for oh my sure. God. That is hey, for sure. Hey, should talk about baseball? All right. All right. On today's show, Conversations with Dad. Boyfriends on the Move, our police blotter features features yet another former Cleveland pitcher who goes bad, probably, maybe. Um, We've got boyfriends from the White Sox and the Giants. We've got women in baseball. We're cross-training with the NHL, and we've got international baseball. Cheers. Cheers. So the, tonight's episode of Conversations with Dad was a little bit last minute when you were like on your way over. I realized what potty mouth means is I was running late. <laughs> so potty mouth found a way to fill the time. It, yeah. And well, and I also well almost reviewed the notes. I got this far and I noticed the conversations were, with Dad were, were missing. So I figured I would give Dad um, a quick call and see if he had any you know takes on things about preferably the Red Sox that have happened since we last spoke with y'all. And he picked up on one of them that that I'm going to go into. Uh, nah, not that much more. I'll leave it to Dad. He is very disappointed that they let go of Matt Bonds. And they let go of Matt Bonds. They DFA'd him. He, they didn't even trade him, is what Dad's saying. And also, Matt Bonds is like, I mean, he's, you know, World Series mem- memory kind of guy. It's somebody that... The Red Sox, um, I think, should have given it up. And he didn't have bad numbers. There are other 
relief pitchers. There are other people on the roster that they could have gotten rid of because they had to make that room. And Bonds, I agree with Dad, is not the guy they should have picked. But the best part about talking with Dad about Matt Bonds is then we start talking about the Red Sox pitches. And the pitches, you have to talk about the status. And so we're talking about <laughs> Bonds and the pitches and the status. And Dad said, overall, when you're talking about Fenway fans, the mood is not good. They're feeling a little bit critical about High and Bloom these days. As, as actually my stepmother said that he got, he, her summary was that he got booed off the stage at the winter meetings. I think there was like a bad reaction. And this is sort of like the, sure. the telephone, you know, because she didn't yep. see it streaming online. Right. Um, but some, what someone said, and then they reported exactly, somebody else who right. then, yeah. So he was absolutely booed off the stage overall. People are a little bit tense. But the other thing that Dad and I are reading uh, together is that Justin Turner, we have hope. If, if he's going to pull it together, we have hope in Justin Turner. I went did a big, like, wh what are you trying to do to me, Red Sox? You're just, you're just really testing my limits. I think last week I talked about how I was so happy for Kike that he was finally going to be able to live his dream. He came out and said... I'm starting starting shortstop. That's what I was growing up. That's what I've always wanted to be. I'm going to do a great job. Alex Cora's like, you know, has his faith in me. And then two fucking days later, what do they do? They pick up Adalberto Mondesi, who I have a personal grudge for because he fucked up my fantasy team, my fantasy league last year. Oh, and he it was, was the reason? Well, you know, <laughs> I know. I was in what? I was in last place. You were like, in the last whole, place. The whole, the whole time. Season. Yeah. We're going to blame it on Mondesi, right? It's all his fault. <laughs> and it was, I knew going into it that he was a guy who had always gotten injured. He had already had like shoulder surgery. He had had concussions. He was he had spent a lot of time on the IL already despite being, you know, the the up and coming guy when he came in. He was that hot prospect that everybody was waiting to to come up and actually he's the, he's the only player I think in MLB history, I'm just going to make shit up, who <laughs> debuted in a World Series game. He debuted in the oh, 2015 right. Royal World Series game. Right. So He's had many years of unreliability, not living up to his expectations, and I still gave him a shot last year, and he blew it, and now the Red Sox pick him up. I just want to say, listeners, that I really wish we were on video, because Potty Mouth is talking with her hands so expressively. There's a lot of pointing. Right. There's a lot of like, emphatic pointing, and I'm so sorry that you're missing this. Well, it's, it's just the... Oh, now there's jazz things. hands. <laughs> all things you have to mess with Kike but to, to to give Alex Cora a shit ton of credit and I still like I'm, I'm coming back around to, to starting to real have feels for Alex Cora being you a good person it's so hard you really so didn't. hard he's good to Kike and he was like we said Kike short, starting shortstop Kike is starting shortstop and shocker Mondesi might not even be ready for opening day because he's still recovering from his last injury tearing his ACL last year so to say that I'm a little disappointed with the Red Sox on this acquisition. And what did they do? How did they get Mondesi? They get another pitcher, Josh Taylor. Another reasonable, not terrible, not stellar, but not terrible, but somebody, a fucking arm in the bullpen. And they get rid of him and Bonds, and they get another infielder. And the scuttlebutt is that they're still looking at infielders. And I'm like, well, just stop. Just stop. Get some pitching. That's how I feel about the Red Sox right now. I'm going to have something to I drink. I love beer share days. <laughs> because like every time you think Potty Mouth can't get more enthusiastic or more passionate about the Red Sox, either oh, to boy. the good or to <laughs> ill, I am proven wrong because beer share. Right. Yep. Yeah. Oh, oh, wait, See? because of that. shiny thing. <laughs> One more thing that I want to is say. Is the shiny thing going to be Kike? It is going to be Kike. It's always Kike. I have to say this. So the only, the only consolation, that's the word I'm looking for, the only consolation nice work. is that Kike tweeted, and I quote, I feel good about my team. That's the tweet, end quote. So if Kike still feels good, I'm with Kike, and I will have hope. Well, also, Kike is a veteran and yeah. knows how to lead and yeah. how to present the right. right attitude. And even if he doesn't feel that way, he's going to keep that to mm -hmm. himself. And the public perception is yep. going to be, we are one big happy family. This is how it's supposed to go. We're right. all in. Right. And that's the right thing to yeah. do. Well, and he's already best buddies with Justin Turner. So there's going to yeah. be like, there. I mean, they like 
that we're doing a lot of hip bumping and hugging and I, stuff. I don't know that. Yeah. Hey, I want to talk about some boyfriends who are on yes. the move. So Michael A. Taylor, who um, was past boyfriend of mine, you may remember him as a Golden Glove center fielder. He was a national from 2014 to, to 2020, and that means he was he's a world champion because yep. he was on the 2019 World Series Nationals team. He was just traded to – he was on the Royals for two years. He was just traded by the Royals to the Twins for two prospects. So um, the Twins are going to be – kind of fun this year yeah we we saw an article on that and mr potty mouth is like he still looks like he's 18 he has not changed he has not changed and he still is um one of my very favorite bobbleheads because it was game of thrones night so it's him defending the wall and there's an actual dragon on the bobblehead so look at me with the game of thrones um references at least four episodes in a row now (laughs) And, you know, it hasn't been on the air for nice. several years. But, okay, right. I can do this. Hey, so one of your former boyfriends, I'm Glaber mm. Torres, um, just signed a one-year contract with the Yankees, which is interesting because he was going to arbitration, and I thought you couldn't wheel and deal anymore. That's what I was wondering. And so I don't know why this happened, but they basically, um, he had filed, you know, remember we talked about arbitration being <clears throat> the player and the team, mm-hmm. like, sliding pieces of paper across the table to each other with salary numbers on them. And Torres's number was $10.2 million, and the team counted at $9.7 million, not that far off. And the rumor is, is I don't think they signed anything yet, is a one-year deal for $9.95 million without going to arbitration first. I don't know how that's okay, but that seems mm. like a pretty, right down the middle, yeah. you know, uh, what do I want to say? Compromise. That's it. Yeah. Um, so that's that's pretty okay. I just don't know how that works. Um, also, um, Brian Snicker, the um, the manager of the Atlanta team, had his contract extended through 2025. And if anybody is wondering why that happened, it's because <laughs> the Hammers have had five consecutive NL East titles, including a World Series, and last year, last season, 101 wins. So Snitker knows what he's doing. So I'm glad that they are keeping him. Absolutely. Keep him on the books. It's good when a team recognizes that they've got to keep somebody around. Like the Mets did with Jeff McNeil, who I picked in 2020. He just signed with the Mets on a pretty good deal for the Mets, I think. A four-year, $50 million extension what I love most about Jeff McNeil is that his nickname is Flying Squirrel. And I just really? appreciate that. Really? Yeah. All yeah. right. But he's 30, so a four-year deal, I think, is good really for both ends because, that, you know, you never know what's going to happen. This is pending a physical, and there might be a club option for a bunch more money, but that hasn't been confirmed yet. And McNeil, it just makes so much sense to lock him down. He was definitely a late bloomer, but he was last year's NL batting champ. So I'm kind of wondering why this wasn't their main story. I mean, they had a batting champion who's been successful with them for years. Why didn't they focus on him? I mean, if they had gotten Correa, that would have been third base and moving, you know, to keep Lindor at shortstop. I don't understand why this is sort of like a backstory because he can do second, he can do third, he can do the outfield. He's probably going to be at second. He's also playing second base. He pulled in for Trevor Story, who just got injured ah. or, or is you know now under surgery. That answers he's that gonna question. Be, yeah, we talked about that last week, right? So he's going to be playing second for the USA in the World Baseball Classic. And we're going to see that team. So we're going to see Jeff McNeil. We're going to see him in Miami. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. For sure. Hey, police blotter. So I don't know what's up with pitchers who leave Cleveland and then go bad. Oh, that's a bad So connection. Mike yeah. Clevenger, who is who is signed with the Chicago White Sox for this year on a one-year deal, just came from the Padres, where he didn't play very much because he had Tommy John and then was recovering from Tommy John and then played a little bit. Prior to that, he was with Cleveland. So just this past week, we learned um, that the uh, that the league has him under investigation um, for violation of the domestic abuse policy um, and his former partner and the mother of their 10-month-old child made these charges public on Tuesday via Instagram, where she alleged physical and verbal abuse, um, said that he has choked her and slapped her and has, and this is the really gross one, thrown chewing tobacco on their infant daughter. Mm -hmm. This would have happened while he was with San Diego, and apparently the initial um, charges, she started talking with the league over the summer. 
And the Padres, because it happened with the Padres, were approached. And of course, no nobody official can talk about it while an investigation is happening. So the Padres said, we can't make a statement because there's an ongoing investigation. This is the interesting thing. The, um, Clevenger's lawyers, of course, the lawyers mm-hmm. are going to deny the charges. Yeah. But they also added a second piece that I thought was interesting. They are saying that the, his former partner, the mother of his child, um, has has ha- made deeply disturbing threats toward Mike and Mike's family. So mm. I believe women. I do yeah. believe women. But this was like this doesn't seem like something you would throw in. This is not like the oh she's doing it for the money. Oh mm. she's doing it for the whatever. They they mention that she has made specific threats. They don't say what those threats are. So that just makes me even itchier. I mean, it's already an itchy situation. So um, the White Sox statement is exactly right. It says, um, we take, you know, allegations seriously and MLB opened an investigation after learning of these investigations, of these allegations. Mm -hmm. The White Sox were not aware of the allegations or the investigation at the time of his signing. The White Sox will refrain from comment until the investigation has reached its conclusion. I feel like that's a flaw in the policy that you don't you you don't inform another team. other team that there's an open investigation. Yeah. I can see where you wouldn't share the details. Like when we talked right. about Bauer and we said, you know, the Dodgers weren't going to have any information about what what the like the, the details right. of the investigation. So they just had to make their decision about Bauer right. on the public stuff. And that's what's happening here but it seems like the White Sox should have known at least there was an investigation. Yeah. So they could either ask questions or right. decide, okay, nothing's been decided, we'll go for it, or mm, too risky, we won't go for it. It doesn't, I don't feel comfortable with yeah. the whole, we're not going to be forthcoming enough to it, say to another team, this is happening. Oh, totally, totally. It's it's super creepy. But also, I've seen stuff about how it's a lot of people don't believe that nobody in the White Sox knew that stuff oh, sure. like this gets shared through informal channels, you know, if, if it's at this level. But I don't know. I don't know. It didn't stop him. So what I believe is the White Sox never got a memo yeah. on right, MLB right, right. letterhead yes. that says, hey, Mike Clevenger is currently under investigation for violating the domestic mm. abuse policy. That's I mean, it could be super. that specific that we didn't get that. Not, right. oh, yeah, so the guy that I know that has coffee with the person I know yeah. who whatever says, watch out for this guy. So, um, you know, stay tuned. We'll see what happens there. There doesn't seem to be a criminal investigation. I, you know, this, you know, I, there doesn't seem to be anything that's happening with law enforcement. Mm-hmm. This is just seems to be an internal league investigation. So we will pay attention. Oh shit! All right. I guess we are on the search to, to find nicer guys. This is what we do every week. We look for a couple of really nice guys. We actually look for no, four nice guys per week. We have very a high bar here yeah, to find four nice guys every week, but we have to do it. Our baseball boyfriends, the guys who are like beyond good, beyond good on the playing field. There's something cool about them. Ideally, um, when you can find it, I had some issues with my research this week, but I'm going to have faith. Uh, I have a theme. It's always good when, I don't know, I feel like follow your gut, follow a theme. For me, it's Venezuela week. I don't know if this is a good, we've had gone back and forth on this. It seems like all major baseball players coming from Venezuela want to be shortstops and they want to be like Omar Vizquel. If they want to be like the shortstop that Omar Vizquel was, then absolutely. Mm -hmm. But they have to put the limits around that and not go outside the he was one freaking hell of a player. Right, right, right. And not into the idolization. And meanwhile, he is on his way off that ballot for the Hall of Fame. So and that was his own fucking doing. So Yep. You know, it's character counts. Character does count. So I'm hoping that the character is good with these guys who I am picking this week. They also both uh since being especially being drafted for MLB have wanted to come back to Venezuela to play for the Venezuelan league to play in front of their extended family and friends and that that's really important on the White Sox 
Man, so the other thing about our baseball boyfriends is we can't roll, we can't pick anybody who's been picked before, which is getting more and more difficult as we have going into Especially multiple years. on very specific teams who yeah. seem to like keep their guys or yeah. or trade w- more for more veterans, trade, right? Trade in for our boyfriends. They they want our boyfriends is the thing. The White Sox want our boyfriends. We, they know it's good. We yeah. know it's good. So not not anyone too many uh, available on their projected starting lineup. I'm going with Lennon Sosa. On kind of a little bit of a lark because I knew he was playing in the winter in the Venezuelan league this winter, and which I've been paying attention to. So I thought, all right, that's a good sign. But I have not been able to find out much more about him. I could not find anything out about his childhood besides the fact that he's from a place called Puerto Ordaz, and when he was in high school, he went to the Alex Gonzalez Academy for prospects. Um, put a pin in that to way later in the show when I when I talk about finding out about who Alex Gonzalez was. So the, this academy is to shape players for the the home team, the Leones de Caracas, and that's where he was playing in this this winter league. So he was signed by the White Sox in 2016. Last year he was all in Double uh, A AA and Triple A, but did super well. Well, mostly played a few games up. He had a 315 average when he was in the minors. Not so good when he was with the when he came up to MLB, but it was just a, it was a small sample. So his debut is against the O's on June 23rd and you know stories of his the, the one little bit I got, I think it was from his Instagram was his family in Venezuela, his parents were really emotional about it. And here's the the you got to have a uh, beer with your baseball boyfriend, right? At mm-hmm. least his family sparked up the barbecue and opened some wine in celebration of his debut. Um, he was only up for w- four games uh, with one hit, back down for most of the summer, and his first home run in the majors came when he got brought back up in August. August 9th to the 18th, he had another very short run, not a lot of hits, just three. But if you look back in his record, every time he changes a level, like when he goes from A to AA or AA to AAA, it takes him a few weeks to sort of settle in. Mm-hmm. And then his average has actually exceeded the average at the previous level after that like little adjustment. So I am hopeful that next year is going to be out of that adjustment. He is not projected to be the starter at second, but we'll see what happens. So he was with Atlantis de Caracas for a few games, but the White Sox did not give him permission to stick around very long. I think it was, I wish I could scan easier, 38. Yep, 38 games that he played. He wanted to keep going. But now, and I think this is the other like little good character thing that I, I figured out about him, now that the Leones de Caracas are in the finals, and I'll talk about that more later, he went back, even though he didn't have permission to play, he went back just to train with his team as they were going into the finals. So like as a support thing, like here I am, this MLB player coming back to like spend some time with you and to keep that team like energy and get you pumped up for the finals. I like um, the sound of that. So I think he's a good guy. He's hard to find on social media. He has an Instagram that luckily he accepted us too. Thank you very much. And his Twitter presence <laughs> reminds me of our friend Braden, who who I think has had like followed us on. Hi, Braden has followed us on like three different Twitter accounts because he's on for a while, and then he goes off, and he probably forgets his password, and then he opens another one. Same thing here. So you know, you have <laughs> been just brazenly lying with exact figures and making stuff up yeah. and making assumptions this whole time, wait. and I really enjoy this. Wait, what did, did I make stuff well, up? Well, no, like like, like Braden <laughs> must have lost his password. And oh, oh, yeah. Like, there's a lot of things, yeah, but you know maybe, what? Maybe, maybe I am really enjoying it. Okay, because you're very smooth with it. <laughs> You're, I'm, I'm you're sorry the I called one you said, out on that one. But. You're, you're the one who said to lie with exact figures. Well, if you're going to lie. So, I mean, sure. you have to lie. Exact sure. figures are the thing. So my theme is 2017 White Sox draftees. Even though we're doing the White Sox and the Giants, you'll see what happens That's here. Nice work. Yeah, I didn't really plan this ahead of time. It just, again, it's kismet, right? Yeah. So um, Jake Berger, who clearly the carnivore on this, this on the, of the co-host, <laughs> is going to pick Jake Berger. Um, third base, but he may be moving to, to first. He may be designated oh. hitter. We'll see. Um, he's 26. So I'm going to talk a little bit about baseball, but mostly about um, Jake Berger, the man, because he 
is doing some really, really incredible things as oh, a human. Wow. And I'm like really impressed with him. Okay, so he grew up in St. Louis and was a White Sox fan, which is kind of interesting. And so he, when he was drafted in the first round of the 2017 draft by the White Sox, that was a big deal. And he was able to say that like Jim Tomei, who I love because of Cleveland years, was one of his favorites. So uh, I'm, I'm good with that. Um, he also, he went to Missouri State. So he was drafted out of Missouri State. But then a lot of things went wrong for Jake. So he drafted in 2017. So in 2018, first spring training, like, I believe it was the first day, but we're going to go with the line with exact figures. Sure, sure. He had um, an Achilles injury oh. that knocked him out. He recovered and then had another one. Oh my yeah, the other God. one same, wasn't same in a practice. The, the same, the same Achilles, oh. the same Achilles tendon, but like, I, like at home, he like tripped and fell over something, Ooh. and that triggered something in him. He was under a lot of pressure already. He was fe- well, he was feeling pressure, okay. right, about being the first round draft choice. Yeah. He was really ticked about not getting to play because of these injuries, and it spiraled. He spiraled badly. He wasn't sleeping. He was refusing rehab. He was isolating himself. He wasn't, like, answering. Like, he wasn't seeing his friends. He wasn't responding to, to, like, messages, like, anything. He was really – he was kind of spiraling down. And then eventually, thank you, um, MLB teams, for having – team psychiatrists and psychologists oh wow because the the team psych for the white Sox diagnosed him with ptsd wow so he had been like all of his um all of his symptoms were like depression and anxiety wow. related things i mean things were very dark for him so 2019 he had another injury another injury after 2018 mishaps with his Achilles, so he was out for the whole season, and then 2020 didn't happen in the minor leagues. Yeah. So like three years of not really playing, Ooh. and he kept talking about, I'm going to quit, I'm going to okay. quit, I'm going to quit. March of 2020, which was like the beginning of the end for everybody, because yeah. that was like you know the beginning of the, you was, know, the pandemic, yeah. right? He started going public about what his experience was, about he was having wow. these issues, he was having depression, anxiety, and also the things that he was learning to do to manage that, to heal from that, to be able to get past all of these things that he was going through. So his turnaround, as far as even being a baseball player, happened after he started going public. He saw the value wow. of talking about what he was experiencing and I guess understood that other people might want to talk about this too. Yeah. So he's been incredibly open about all of the, you know, the the, the depression, the anxiety, mm-hmm. all of these things. So he debuted in July of 2021 and at his debut, two hits, right? So of course you are interviewed after your on your debut day, especially when yeah. you do well. Oh my God. And um, he mentioned almost quitting at least three times and the journalist said, what happened? Like what what made you not quit? And he said, my parents told me, you know what? Don't regret anything in life. If you quit, you're going to regret it. Keep on keeping on and keep uh-huh. pushing. And ultimately, things are going to turn. So sure enough, they were right. I never would have imagined that this would be what it is. They were right. That the moral of the story, always listen to your parents. Listen to your parents. <laughs> and also be open if you are comfortable with yeah. it about what you're going through. Because not only are you providing support to others, but you're allowing oh, others to support you. So he started using social media to share his story. And he's been hearing from fans about uh-huh. how that's helped him. He told the story about um, at a AAA game. This guy was like, you know, behind the fence, like near third base before the game started trying to get his attention. He went over to talk to him. And the guy gave him a letter and said, I saw your posts and what you were going through sounds like what I've been going through. And I got help because of what you said. That's amazing. And gave him this letter, like kind of thanking him for all this, which he apparently keeps with him all the time. And he said, this kid wasn't even like a White Sox fan. Oh, he was wow. he just sort of stumbled on him and saw this this person, this very public person. It's going through the same things that I'm going through and found help for that. So that really kind of pushed him along. So he's working on the launch of a website called Burger Bombs. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. Right? Which, you know, to raise like mental health awareness uh. and also like to, to share the techniques that he personally uses um, to, to manage what he's going through. And um, the, the acronym of BOMBS is be open, open a book, meditate, break a sweat, and set a routine. Wow. 
So it's not, I mean, those are the nicknames of his home runs, right? They're, of, course wow. he, of course he hits burger bombs. Yeah. But that also has another meaning for him, and he's happy to share that with other people. Um, so on the more fun side, May 28th is National Burger Day. So, of course, he hit a home run <laughs> versus the Cubs, which makes a parallel with my former boyfriend, Seth Beer, who homered on National Beer Day. Wow, you have a so, beer and a burger. You I, are th- That's like sex. heaven for me, man. A beer and a burger and Jeez. baseball is perfect. Um, he married his now wife, Ashley, in July. And in November, they welcomed a baby burger, um, <laughs> Brooks Jacob Burger, um, their their son. So that was pretty exciting. So this, is that like a slider? Y- you little slider. Look at you with the, with the burger jokes. That's so awesome. That you're, you're, yeah, you're great. I'm, I'm so, learning, I'm learning. I mean, I want Jake Berger to do well as a baseball yeah. player, but I am so enamored of him as a human. This is like, I was so excited to, to find him and learn that about all of these things. That is so cool. Yeah. See, folks, look at the quality information you get here at No Crying in Baseball. Follow Jake Berger. That is so awesome. We are going over to the National League with the Giants. And I am going with Tyro Estrada to keep on my um, Venezuelan wannabe shortstop theme. Just like Lenin, he's, um, he's, or Lenin, oh, more beer. Hmm. <laughs> Maybe a splash. Not a lot. This is potty mouth Ooh. making a reasonable decision. Right. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. So Tyro also is looking to stay at second base, but he is flexible and I and I've learned one thing and one thing only in my experience in fantasy <laughs> baseball to tell you the truth and that is it's good to have a man with flexibility because then you can just you know put him in <laughs> Patty's making funny faces <laughs> oh no I'm not gonna be able to speak now you're really not you're really not <laughs> no. but you know those are words to live by deep I'm just saying words breath. to live by <laughs> oh my god so Tito is learning to play outfield as well. He's from Bejuma, Venezuela, which is a very small town. And I was excited to see that as a kid, he admired Melvin Mora, who I remember from my early days of going to O's games. He was like in that, I think when I first moved down here, the team had Melvin Mora. He started playing, you know, as early as he can remember, age like three or four. Went to an academy at age 13 and was signed by none less than the Yankees at age 16 in 2012. And so here's what comes back into like, he always wanted to play for his home team in the Venezuelan league, but the Yankees weren't so keen on that and would not let him at all. And I guess he was developing. So, you know, it was mostly while he was in the minors that he was with the Yankees, but he still hopes to play with the Bravos de Margarita because especially to to play in front of his family. And as of the last article I saw that his parents still hadn't seen him play in like 10 years. Oh, no. So I'm hoping that he can get down there and play maybe next off season. In 2018, when he was 21 years old, so he's still in the Yankees minor system, he was with his wife and in his hometown in Bejuma, which actually ends up being in the prof- province of Stupid Face, Carabobo, our favorite oh, yeah, place yeah, in Venezuela. Place. Sure. And it is living up to his name because two kids, two teenagers, like 15, 16 years old, held him up, asked him for money or cell phone. He said he honestly didn't have either on him, and they shot him. Oh, and Jesus. so he was shot in the hip. Went to the hospital in Venezuela. They could not get the bullet out. And actually, the the doctors, the next doctors that he saw in the U.S. said that they were botching it up. Like, they made it worse than it should have been in Venezuela. Made it worse than it should have been to begin with. And so they just left it there. And he shows up for spring training. And this is, like, typical Yankees. I don't know. Aaron Boone's like, ah, it's fine. It's not a big deal. But as long as he your said, hair is cut to the right length, right. we don't care that you've got a bullet in your hip. Exactly. Was that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, he's yeah, it's all right. He can play with that. No problem. And so he, like, you know, starts off training and everything. And and sure enough, he was not doing that well. Go figure. And he ended up going on the IL for a back problem. But it was probably what he looks at in in hindsight is that he was favoring, like, one side over the other. And so because he had this fucking bullet in his hip, he fucked up his back because of the way he was compensating. And that's what ended up on the IL. And while he was on the IL and going to be missing some time anyway, they decided to take the fucking bullet out of his hip. That seems wise and so, a little bit too late. But right. I mean, I'm glad they got around to it. Right. It's so he, he is, as a result, 
he is such a positive dude. And this is another like baseball boyfriend thing. Super grateful for, oh my God, I, I li- not only did I live, but I got to play baseball again because for a while he thought like, this is the end of my career. You know, I've been shot in the hip. He um, played only 18 games in the minors that year. And in 2019, that was 18. 2019, it was mostly in AAA. 20, you know, 2020, they kept him on, but he didn't play a lot of games. But then he was DFA'd by the Yankees in the, in the beginning of 2021, in April, when they picked up Rugned Odor, who, huh. you know, I, Rugi. yeah, who I, I learned to love when he came on to the Orioles. Yeah, me too. I, was, I wasn't a fan until he was on the O's, and <laughs> right? then all of a sudden I was like, okay, I like this dude. Yeah, well, he was that, like, voice of experience. He yeah. was, like, the, the guy who did to, to take in all these youngins and, and tell them what to do. And so, he was clutch. Yeah. But he shaved for the Yankees, and he, you know, with the people Rangers, do. he punched Everybody people. Does. So, yeah, not I know, like a, a lot of not, people. <laughs> I mean, it one person. person. I mean, right. come on, who hasn't? You've punched somebody, haven't right. you? No, Have you punched not, anybody? Not, not sucker punch. Okay, not really, definitely. me either. But still, okay. <laughs> All right, people do though. It, I hear it. It is. Well, Rugnet Odor. Apparently, this is the for folks who have no clue what we're talking about. This is the the Joey Bautista thing. Go look at YouTube. Um, at that point, though, he was picked up by the Giants a little bit five days later five days later and then he had his first grand slam in July against the D-backs so very recently Giants avoided arbitration and so he has going to be sticking around for this year 2.25 million dollars I am thinking I'm a little nervous because if the Giants do well that's a good thing if they like don't do well he could be a big trade piece I don't know. We'll Interesting. see. Interesting. Yeah. Well, he, so a little bit of brownie baseball baseball boyfriend brownie points. I can't say that too fast. You did all right. I was checking out his Instagram, and he had a really lovely uh, post about, he said it's the next year, so it's definitely not the first time that he's done this, that he sponsors a Christmas celebration in his little bitty town of Bejuma for the kids with a bunch of bouncy houses and food and face painting and clowns and him signing tons and tons of (laughs) autographs. But it's just like, it's a very small thing. It's just the hometown kind of situation. It seems like this is an annual since I don't know when, but he does good stuff at Christmas. So that's cool. That's cool, dude. Wow. All right. So um, my guy for the Giants is Luis Gonzalez, right fielder, 27 years old. Pretty common name. Yeah. And put a pin in that because we're going to talk about that in just. Oh my God, you had to Google Luis Gonzalez. That's okay. That's okay. You know, you know, Google is smart enough to say, "Do you mean the, the right fielder player. for the Giants?" Right. Yes, yes, I do. But um, okay, so he as I was born in um, Hermosillo, Sonora, Mexico. Um, he was drafted. Remember, I said 2017 draft mm-hmm. by the White Sox. He was the third round draft choice Ooh. by the White Sox wow, in 2017. Hi. Yep. But anyway, so um, growing up in, in Hermosillo, I'm saying that right, yeah? Yeah, Hermosillo? very uh, good. Okay, so he played ball in the youth league that's sponsored by the University of Sonora starting when he was six years old. So he was, you know, one of those early baseball mm-hmm. players and had a great time with it. His family moved to Arizona mainly for job opportunities, right? So he moved when he was nine to the Tucson area. So... Um, the Diamondbacks, you may or may not know, when they won the World Series, one of their heroes was named Luis Gonzalez, because oh, right. so many people are. So um, a <laughs> lot of people throughout his childhood, oh. and asked, especially because of all the baseball that he yeah. played, are you the son of Luis oh. Gonzalez? And he started saying yes because his dad, in fact, is named Luis Gonzalez. <laughs> but that's not who they meant. So I appreciated his sense of humor. But, you know, so he had a sister. So the two of them, you know, were starting elementary school together, coming from Mexico, okay. not having English language skills yet. So they were kind of like a little bit of a, you know, a team where they would like talk to each other saying, what do we sound like when we try to try to speak English yeah. and kind of like practice with each other? But he said he made friends in this place with a new language and new culture by playing sports. That's where he found his people. Yeah. And um, so I, I, I like that he had a thing that helped him, that he could latch on yeah. to, to make it possible to learn the language, to meet people, to, you know, to adjust to this new place. Um, in high school, he played, uh, you know, obviously he was very good. His senior year, he batted 500 Whoa. with 10 home runs and was the Division II most valuable player, of course, and then went from there to the University of New Mexico. 
um, mentioned the, 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 20, the 2017 draft. Yeah. His debut was in 2020, in August of 2020. He was one of five Mexican-born players to debut in 2020. And that came out in an article that talked about baseball in Mexico starting to really take off and become um, integral to MLB. Oh, wow. It's sort of like is starting yeah. this sort of Mexican presence in Major League Baseball. One of the other players that year was um, um, Ramon Arias, if we're speaking about the um, Orioles, which we do sometimes. Yeah. But anyway, so of course he's bilingual. And he talks now about how that really helped in the clubhouse. It helped in the White Sox clubhouse, because, yeah. as you know, a lot of Spanish speakers on that team said, I can speak in English to the guys on my left and communicate <laughs> in Spanish to the guys on my right, which also meant That's not awesome. only could he help bring those different languages mm-hmm. together, but also he could learn from the Spanish, like Jose Abreu, like veterans, yeah. you know, uh, on uh, both in both languages. Cool. And so that was really important to him. Um, the White Sox DFA'd him when he had a season-ending sh- um, shoulder injury huh. in 2021, and the Giants picked him up. And at the time, the Giants had this interesting strategy of picking up injured players where it didn't look like the injury was going to last all that long and rehabbing them. It's basically like bargain basement shopping, right? Yeah. You get this guy when he's at his worst and then help him get better and then build him into one well, of your teams. Read Red Sox strategy above, I hope well, it works. Well, okay, maybe, maybe it works, because it, it seems to be working for the Giants, right? Wow. So his Giants call-up was um, April 22nd of 2022. Um, the story that I want to tell you is about um, May 16th, 2022, when the Giants were being completely blown out by the Cardinals. To, they ended up, the final score in the game was 15-6. to six. Um, so, so Luis started in left field. But then at the, towards the end of the game, he was called in to pitch. We do love a position player pitching. Mm-hmm. Now, when he was in college, he actually pitched 36 times at the University of Mexico. So he was a pitcher at one point. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't completely a novelty, but it was kind of unexpected. He got the final four outs. He gave up one single. So he did really pretty well. But then he got to bat after that. So as a pitcher, he was batting in the ninth. And the position player that the Cardinals had pitch was Pujols. Oh. <laughs> he, so he, he That's hit so good. a three-run so home run so good. off of Alberto Pujols, um, who that was his first pitching appearance ever. Yeah. Right? 22-year, right. like, but first. It was so like, you got to do it. You're gonna, he's like, got a 36 ERA now, Pujols does. That's so good. <laughs> but um, this also made um, Gonzalez the first Mexican-born position player to pitch in an MLB game in which he also homered as a pitcher right. there, there have been four total position players uh that were born in mexico that have pitched in major league games but he was the only one to also then homer after he was classified as a pitcher that is quite a specific statistic <laughs> so that same month he was named you know rookie of the month right and um that month he had a 368 average and a home run seven doubles 13 rbi and um a OPS. He pitched three times in the month of May. Two of those, including the one I talked about, were scoreless. You know, Red Sox bullpen, please. So, (laughs) right? So, coming up in April, um, the Giants are going to play the Padres in Mexico City. that's so fun. So fun. And and Luis has not been back to Mexico (gasps) since he and his family moved when he was nine years old. So he's really very excited about going to Mexico City and playing in front of who knows? Old family, neighbors, people might, you know, make yeah. but also saying, but also being that guy who people can look to and say, you're from here yeah. and look what you did. Right. That means maybe I can do it too. You know, that if you see it, you could be it kind of thing. So no, no word about him on World Baseball Classic? No, he has said that he's interested, but I just, I checked the um, the roster uh, today and he's not on it yet, but okay. I'm hoping, I'm hoping because yeah. that would be really fun. So I, I like his attitude. Right. He seems like really easygoing and really welcoming and, um, yeah, so I'm pretty excited about Luis Gonzalez, not that Luis Gonzalez, yes. as my as my Giants guy. Next week we have we have uh, Baltimore, which will not surprise <laughs> anybody about who I'm perhaps keeping as my forever boyfriend, mm-hmm. and also Milwaukee Brewers. Stay tuned. I have decisions to make about Baltimore. I don't know. 
All right, there is a lot going on with women in baseball, and I'm wondering how we're going to be able to fit this into the the program every week because it's getting longer and longer, which is... Well, thank you. Hooray. Um, This is incredible. It's such a good thing. So to try to run through it kind of quickly, Veronica Alvarez, you know, absolute um, already... Uh, Pathblazer, is that the right word? No, it's not. Trailblazer, Trailblazer. that's the yeah. word. I was like trying You're to You're so close. You're so really close. doing very well. I'm yes. very proud of you. All right. Whoo, deep breaths. All right. She, <laughs> uh, you know, had already been spring training coach for the A's since 2019 and is now coaching them. I still don't the, have my Alvarez A's jersey. How is that oh, a thing? That that should happen. I mean, Elon that Musk really has a happen. freaking A's jersey. And I know. I know. It's that's right, not right. That with the naked uh, Giants jersey. Yep. I don't know. We need yep. too many jerseys. Yep. Uh, so she's also managing the, the U.S. national women's team in baseball. But she was just hired by the A's as the coordinator of player development in Latin America. She has Cuban roots. So cheers to the A's for keeping that up. Sarah Edwards, hired by the Phillies for a hitting development coach. I could not find any further information on her. So I'm going to keep uh, keep checking. But that was a tough search. Christina Whitlock, however, when I started looking for her, she's now going to be the first woman in uniform in a St. Louis Cardinals uniform. She's going to be, well, on their high A, but the first woman in the Cardinals organization to be wearing a uniform on the field. I felt like we had said this story before, and I feel like that's, I, I looked in our notes, and her name didn't come up. No, last week was the first woman in high A to be a manager. Right. So this is the Cardinals is different. Yeah, that's more specific. but, but the, the similarities... I think just, I mean, sure. we've probably told this story a million times that it's a woman who is playing baseball through her youth until she got to high school and realized that I need to switch to, to softball for a scholarship. I was like, we've said that before. Oh, no, mm. we've just said that before because that's the way it is. Her, her high school baseball coach, however, knew her and led her to continue training with the high school baseball team despite the fact that she was playing softball. The softball scholarship came through. She went to University of South Carolina Single mom with two sons, now at that age of our kids. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of like she has the time to do this, to go into baseball Mm -hmm. now, which is, you know, such a, like... Does that mean we have the time to go to baseball I don't, she's 47. That's within, like, spitting range, kind of, of us, I would say. You know, what's a decade? It's pretty close. For me. (laughs) But that's so inspirational. Yeah, for sure. You know, that this woman who has been through baseball and softball for so long, at this point in her life is wearing a uniform on the field. That's I just amazing. get like, the, you know, I don't know. Very, very excited about something like this. Um, also, for the future, we have the Swing Elite Girls Baseball tryouts happening for the second weekend. So we talked about this last weekend as well. Last, Yeah, last weekend. That's when we record. Last week as well. <laughs> um, this is a, a thing from Baseball for All, which is promoting girls baseball and doing all sorts of cool things. But they're trying to get a girls team that's going to be playing in quote, boys' tournaments. And it's not really boys' tournaments. It's, it's baseball tournaments, tournaments yeah. right? Because that's yeah. what happens in baseball. So it's just floating a girls' team in the baseball tournaments that are happening. And they're not going to be playing as a team in the baseball for all because there they can play with any girls' team because it's all girls' teams. So this is like the elite of the elite, and it's the first time ever. So I'm really excited to see, like, what kind of girls they get together. They're going to play once every quarter throughout this uh, 2023. Very cool. And we'll see what happens. Uh, The other Red Sox news that came about while I was like last minute, you know, looking at some baseball news before the show. The Red Sox are going from the only team to have two female coaches to having zero because they're both leaving. And oh, I'm no. a little, like, this is another, like, I'm just Why? a little antsy. Why? About, What's the story? It's unclear. Oh, no. It's yeah, unclear. We're going to spiral in a bad way about this until I'm, they tell us otherwise. I, I still have some Can we call left. Bianca? I'm nervous. So Bianca Smith, we talked about, she's been in the in the Florida League coaching and Katie Crawl, who's development coach in double A uh, Sea Dogs, Salem Sea Dogs, they're they were both invited back. They were both invited back to their jobs and they both turned it down. 
Uh, Bianca had a very lovely long, you know, I loved it here, but I'm looking on for other things. But there was nothing specific for either one that I could find so far about where they're going. So, so no next steps. I'm feeling and a little. And no information about why they're itchy. going. I'm itchy. I'll be itchy about that too. We're going to be more itchy in a second because I'm going to cross train oh, with geez. with the NHL. So these are the other Rangers, the New York Rangers, the hockey team, not the baseball team, um, about their pride night this past weekend. So they had a game against the um, the um, the Vegas Golden nights on Saturday. It was going to be their pride night. They had announced ahead of time that the Rangers would be wearing their pride themed jerseys and using the rainbow tape on their hockey sticks during warmups. And then none of them did it. They did all the other things, right? They had their, their donations to um, to local organizations. They had like the honorary puck drops for people who work for these organizations that the, um, this was at Madison Square Garden, the um, the anthem was sung by a Broadway star. They had like rainbow, like mm-hmm. the Madison Square Garden was lit up by rainbow spotlights on the outside. I mean, they did every uh, everything else. They had pride themed swag, just not the thing that involved the players. So the uh, there was you know hell to pay because you said you were doing this and now you're not. So the Rangers put out a statement that said the following. Our organization respects the LGBTQ plus community. We're proud to bring attention to important local community organizations as part of another great pride night. In keeping with our organization's core values, we support everyone's individual right to respectfully express their beliefs. Does that mean that all of these players said, oh, no? I don't right. I don't um, condone this. I, it's against my personal beliefs. Because here's why. I'm questioning that. Well, I'm questioning that anyway. Mm-hmm. But very specifically, the prior week, the Philadelphia yep. Flyers had their Pride Night. Pride night. One of their players, um, Ivan Provorov, Provorov um, didn't participate in the warm-ups. Everybody else did in their rainbow jerseys and the, the, the pride tape on their sticks and all that, but the one person did not. And the NHL commissioner said, at the end of the day, I think everyone knows what the league stands for in terms of our values. I don't know that that's true. Um, that was just me. Um, what the Flyers stand for in terms of their values, also just me. I don't know that that's true. Um, in the final analysis, individual players are going to make decisions and follow their beliefs. Having said that, when you look at all of our players and the commitments they've made to social causes and making our game welcoming and inclusive, let's focus on the 700 that embrace it and not the one or two that may have some issues for their own personal reasons. So he's kind of forgiving Ivan for sitting out. And then did that then, the Rangers then say, screw this. I'm not wearing any rainbow crap. I don't believe in this. I mean, I don't know that they, they didn't. The Rangers didn't address that it was a personal choice, but they had that comment about everyone's individual right to respectfully express their beliefs. Is that okay? Our personal reasons, okay. I mean, this would be like if I were a baseball player, you wouldn't find me in camouflage gear, right? Right when it's those days, I wouldn't be wearing camouflage gear. Right. Can would that be I, okay? I, I don't know. This it's. I think just it's, it's just it's so infuriating. I feel like I'm gonna explode. It's not okay to be hateful toward a group of people because of who they are. It's not okay to be discriminatory. It's not okay to be racist. It's not okay to be homophobic, and it's not okay to be you know any kind of anti-Semitic. It's just not okay that that's. If, if that's their bottom line, that we don't agree with this, you know, whatever, like, horrible thing they want to call it, lifestyle is, you know, their their catchphrase, it's, that's not okay. You cannot not respect a group of people. I mean, this happened with, with the Tampa Bay Rays yeah. on their Pride Night when a, when a handful of their pitchers, you know, didn't want to mm-hmm. wear the Pride gear. And it was, oh, it's our personal choice. Right. But I still, that begs the question, could people get away with that for other days? Like, I don't want to do military appreciation or I I don't want to do whatever. Is that going to be, are people going to be able to like back out of those things? I mean. Somebody's got to test those waters. Somebody has to test, especially the military appreciation thing. Like, you know, like that's the thing. Like the military is an institution as compared to the people. Like I try to respect the people who have gone through 
you know, hell sure. because of whatever they believed in. But the institution is seriously problematic. So, yeah. I mean, look at the hell we put people through when they don't stand for the anthem. Right. Or if they right. kneel for the anthem or what that is. I mean, there there are other things that people get called out yep. on. Um, yeah. So. It's not I, okay. I, 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 yeah. But, okay. But I want people to be able to kneel for the anthem. Right. But. <sighs> It's, I know. it's not a people, you know, like I just, yeah. I think, you know, we, we have people who we love very, very much who are part of the LGBTQ Absolutely. community. Absolutely. And, and, and just the thought of somebody being able to say to them, oh, you know what, you're just, it's, it's just a choice or you're, you're, no. you're not a real yeah, no, concern I, to me. Absolutely. I'm with you uh. 100% on that. I'm just wondering if I'm um, off base, if I can use a sports metaphor, <laughs> by saying, you know, it's not okay to do that, but it would be okay to yeah. not to, I, to. I mean, like, right? I, you mean, you know where my heart is for sure. Yeah, no, I. I this I is think very. It's, it's, it's a little complicated. I'm really pissed right. that this happened, and I really want the Rangers to have to say we're all homophobic. Yeah. I mean, I want to force that right, issue. Right. Right. Like that's, that's why I did it because I'm homophobic. Exactly. But exactly. they didn't. They just sort of didn't do the thing right. that their PR said they were going to do. And then there was this weird comment about, you know, personal reasons and yep. all of that. And I'm, like, you mentioned being itchy before. I'm very itchy about oh. this. I hate this. It makes me really mad because this seems like it's a very easy one yep. to do. Exactly. It's so exactly. easy to do this. Exactly. Wear a cool uniform. Get get like more money for your team for the people who are going to buy the fucking merch. Like, it's like, yeah. really? Really? Yep. yep. So, ugh. so that's not the kind of cross training I appreciate, Yuck. but it's the kind of cross training there is. <sighs> All right. I have a feeling that the full version of this is going to be on Patreon because <laughs> we're already over time. And there was a mess in the Venezuelan League this this past week, which some of you might not care about. So I'm, I'm going to cut this and put the majority of it on a Patreon. Uh, in in uh, Puerto Rico, Liga de Baseball Profesional Roberto Clemente, congrats to our very favorite person in Puerto Rico, Marco Oliveras, our very first interview. He did it. Yay! He came in Fantastic. when the Maigues team was about to lose, turned them around, won the whole thing, is going to the Serie de Caribe, and is a beautiful gesture. The manager of the opposing team that they just beat is going to be one of his coaches oh, cool. on the Serie. Serie, tune in February 2 to 10th. It's going to be happening in Caracas, Venezuela. Still unclear how to watch in the United States. There, I saw a website with how to watch everywhere else. I think it's going to be ESPN3, but we'll see. Uh, you could go in person and buy tickets between $2 and $40, or you could get a suite for $3,000. What I don't understand is the 24 Serie is going to be in Miami. Does that mean we're going to Miami again? It means we might because, have to go back know, to Miami. It feels like we're going to be test driving some things about Miami right. that we may want to replicate right. in the next year. Yeah. The thing is, Miami doesn't have a team. Like, the U.S. doesn't have a team in this area of Caribe. Like, maybe it's just... Is, there, it's, is the Puerto Rican team? Yeah. Because then we do. Yes. Because then we do. Right. Right? Yeah, that, there's, there's that. Okay. So it's just going to be the, the place. It could happen. It could happen. Yep. Speaking of the World Baseball Classic that we are going to see in Miami really soon, Team Canada, for those of you who are faithful NCIB fans, you will not be surprised about this, that Abraham Toro, Venezuelan family, is playing for Team Canada. Patty's choose, chose him in 2020 as Astros baseball boyfriend, and he was, and mentioned in episode 125, that he was born in Canada, Montreal, I think, um, with a Venezuelan family. Uh, but Venezuela has a very crowded infield, totally made up of boys baseball boyfriends, <laughs> including <laughs> Eugenio Suarez, Eduardo Escobar, Jose Altuve, Andres Jimenez, and Luis Araez. Today's baseball boyfriend, Tyro Estrada, Wilmer Flores, Gleyber Torres. Good all God. baseball boyfriends crowding up the infield in Venezuela. So Abraham Toro is like, you know what? I want to... Playtime, I'm going to go with Canada. Makes sense. Uh, Josh Naylor, also your baseball boyfriend from Cleveland, probably not because he is focusing on his health, but his baby brother is being coached by another baseball boyfriend of yours, Russell Martin. For so sure. So lots of Patty baseball boyfriend picks involved with 
uh, with Team, Team Canada. Canada somehow, but we're not going to see them. We're probably not going to see no, Team they're, Canada. They're playing in, in Phoenix against Mexico and U.S. and Colombia and Great Britain. So they're not likely to make it not. the quarterfinal games that we're going to see right. in Miami and not semifinal game for sure. But hey, that's still going to be a fun team to watch. We're going to be glued to some screens for that week for sure. Yep. Um, so my friends, if you um, if you have ideas for us, for boyfriends, for Milwaukee, and we don't care about Baltimore because we know <laughs> all about Baltimore. But I don't know who I'm going to pick. I am really going to have to I, think about that I have this so week. many ideas for I you. Know, I, I have know. so many ideas, but you don't want to listen to me anymore. Even no, though you I'll listen. Me I'll listen. Periodically. I know. I know there's other I just people. I also don't want to piss anybody else off. You By know anybody else you mean like people that we may or may not be related to. In yeah, any way. yeah, yeah. You yeah. know what? I think you you be you. Okay. <laughs> you you do you, you do what you've got to do. But if okay. you have ideas for right. Milwaukee and okay for Potty Mouth for Baltimore, but not me, because I've got a once and forever boyfriend there, please let us know on social media. Um and also I mean, we've been lying with exact figures, so that doesn't count as being wrong. But if there's other corrections you want to make, feel free to find us on social media. Right. Those corrections are going to be definitely for me. That would be on Twitter at NCIB Podcast. Facebook and Instagram is No Crying and B-Ball. If you want to join our friends at Patreon and throw a dollar to us each month, you will help us toward that break-even Mendoza line. <laughs> that would be uh, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash No Crying in B-Ball. If you have friends or family that you think would like to listen to us talk about baseball, please let them know about us. We'd love it if you left us a rating or a review. And gosh, until next week. I mean, really, if you're going to see us in, in Miami, you got to make sure that you're boosted because we want to hang out with yeah. you. For darn sure, we want you to send your game balls to Meredith. We want you to fight the man because it's the right thing to do. And until next week, say goodnight, potty mouth. Good night, potty mouth. I sobered up enough to be able to drink again. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. And it took me, like, I had to really concentrate while saying that. Yeah, no, okay, we'll see how this goes then. This oh. is going to be really good.